Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name is Tom Rablick. Thank you for joining me for this particular podcast. Now, one of the great mysteries in life is, that, that people grapple with, whether it be through religion or other means, is what happens after you die. Um, death is a kind of a, a, an obsession you know, for for people um, in 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 life. What happens when you pass on? What happens what to the family? What happens when um, uh, things th- things change? Can be provided for X, Y, and Z. I'm talking today with an author who's explored death from a range of different perspectives. However, and um, it. it the the first line on the cover actually gives you a little bit of an insight into what it, what her world has been like for a while while she's been writing this. The book is described as an adventure into the world of anatomy and dissection. It's called The Great Dead Body Teachers, and it's been put out by Ultimo Press, and the author is Jackie Dent. Now, she's had a fascination According to according to the book and every single blurb I've seen, on um, what happens when people actually pass on and even donate their bodies to science, what goes on? Well, Jackie's right here to tell us. Jackie, thank you for joining me. Hi, hi, nice to be on the show. Uh, thank you for thank you for coming on. Now, before we dive into the book, which is fairly substantive, I should let people know. Um, it, What's your elevator pitch to people who've never met you before? How would you how would your career look like if you had to sum it up on a yellow post-it note for someone? My career. Oh yeah. Right. Sorry. Yes. Um. So um. I have had an eclectic career. I'd say I've been a writer. Central to everything is writing. Um. I've been a journalist for a long time, and I got a bit restless with journalist journalism, so I moved into working um, for the United Nations. So I worked in sort of a couple of conflict areas. And then I was with the Asian Development Bank as a speech writer. So I've sort of done a mixture of um, journalism at kind of, you know, respectable places like the Sydney Morning Herald, the Bulletin, the ABC, although some would say they're not so respectable. But, uh, yeah, so I've worked in mainstream media uh, for a number of years and then I've sort of done communications for various organisations and then I've done curated. I curated public talks for a while, which was really good. Uh, and now I'm doing a PhD. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of like a a writer, kind of researcher, sort of type person. Yeah, person of all uh, person of all trades. Yes. Um, in in many respects. Now, what before we go into talking about dead things, which has been which has obsessed you for a while and will continue to do so, um, given the interest in your book. What's your PhD on? Uh, my PhD is actually on the pleasures of war and I'm okay. doing it in international relations at the University of Sydney. And it was kind of born from I worked in Afghanistan for a while and I came back to Sydney and was doing a master's and I read this sort of, I read a quote from a woman during the French resistance that was about how she missed the war. And I thought, gee, that's interesting. Like you don't really read much about people missing war and having positive experiences. 
So one thing led to another and, yeah, so that's what I'm researching is positive experiences in war and getting into the weeds of the ontology of war, like, well, what is war anyway? So I'm a warmonger. I'm a warmonger, Tom. Okay. Um, That'll be a headline for somebody that listens to the podcast. But yeah, no. It, it, but also, the PhD is a is it under is a massive undertaking. What stage are you in? What stage are you at? Uh, uh in the final, like I'm, you know, I've done all my research, I've done all my interviews, and so now I'm writing. So I've probably got a year of writing now, <laughs> eight months of writing. Yes, it's a yeah. it's a it's a massive task, but I love it though. Like I, I love researching, I love writing, which which was why I enjoy working on this book. Um, uh, yeah, part of the um. Part of the reason I ask is that I'm entertaining doing a PhD as well into the in the area of terrorism and extremism, which itself is is very contemporary and, and concerning a lot of people. But in the meantime, um, the Great Dead Body Teachers is your book. It is out now. Um, you know, if you take your book to be a tree, where when was the seed for this thing planted? Uh, look, you know, it's quite interesting. Uh, working on the book has sort of made me think more about how I've sort of been interested in in this area for a while. So basically my grandparents on my dad's side, my paternal grandparents, they both donated their bodies to the University of Queensland. So Ruby went to UQ in 1969 and then my grandfather, Julie, yes, that was his name, he went in 1981. So it was always this sort of thing in the family on the sidelines that they both got dissected. And, you know, I used to think it was kind of weird and fascinating and kind of cool, but, you know, I was I was always like, why would you do that? And then a couple of years ago, just before COVID, mum and dad and I went and had a drink with some next door, their next door neighbours and the daughter who uh, was there at the drinks, she said, oh, I've got this new job, Jackie. I'm working at the surgical facility next to, you know, connected to the hospital. And she said the students aren't dissecting whole bodies and, and they dissect body parts, but also sometimes the body parts are flown in from America. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, have people stopped donating their bodies? Uh, you know, like I know my grandparents had done it and, you know, I sort of thought, oh, that's a, a, a terrible thing that's happened in Australian culture. Like, maybe, you know, why aren't people donating their bodies? So one thing led to another and, and that's how it all started was just this random conversation got me thinking about, well, what actually did happen to them all these years ago? So I started, you know, I made a few calls, like being a journalist, you sort of just start going and going and then it just went on and on and opened up this whole new world about science, anatomy, medicine, body donation, ethics. Uh, you know, it's been for me a really extraordinary and crazy, interesting, juicy topic to get into. There's a lot in there uh, when you when you flip through the book, even even casually, and then there are things that are, are quite striking. But when you dive into an area, there are things you look at. Uh, I wrote a I wrote a book uh, over four months on on the travails of Crown Casino, and there were things that were interesting I'd never known before. In the case of the Great Dead Body body teachers which you can get at all good bookstores um what is it 
that most surprised you when you began to delve into things in more detail? Oh, Tom, that is so hard because it was like a football field of rabbit holes and, uh, you know, it was, uh, there was a lot to it. I mean, the first thing that maybe comes to mind is was meeting anatomists. I mean, they're, they're kind of quite curious figures. You never really hear about them and, you know, no, none of them really write memoirs. They're kind of quite, you know, they're just not famous sort of characters in medicine. So meeting anatomists was pretty, was quite wonderful and, and just the way that they love the inside of the body. And, you know, so I suppose the thing that I came to realise is that, you know, some of them talked about how they really love dissecting, which to the normal person seems like a really horrible thing to do. But the more I watched, you know, I started watching dissection videos online to get a sense of what they do. Uh, I could sort of see why they do find it a beautiful thing because the inside of our body is absolutely beautiful. It is a palace. I mean, there is, you know, we're so fixated on our bodies in a way, but in such an external superficial way, you know, whether you're fat or skinny or, you know, some hot Gold Coast Instagram model. Uh, but to when you actually look in <laughs> internal geography of our body, it's, it is it, it is kind of exquisite. And I think that was the thing that struck me. I was surprised at how and, you know, if you look at the canon of anatomical art that's been, you know, done over the years, like for centuries before we had photography, et cetera, you know, the way that people studied the body was through drawings. And so, you know, some of the anatomical art is incredibly beautiful. I mean, it's kind of dark as well when you're thinking about what you're looking at, which is, you know, a dissected person more than likely who didn't consent to be dissected. Um, so I suppose that was very surprising. The other thing that really surprised me was embalming fluid. Um, you know, I thought it was just a jar off the shelf and then you, you know, just inject it and someone gets embalmed because when you do donate your body, you uh, you will usually be embalmed straight up. Uh, there is this whole massive embalming scene and it's more kind of, it's almost like a craft than a science and there are so many. There's like hundreds of different recipes. Um, the anatomists and technicians are often battling mould and yeah. and it's a big it's a big so I'd say you know just off the top of my head I mean there's so many other areas I could go to but the be you know our beautiful bodies and embalming fluid that was I was quite surprised at that. It, see, one of the things that even just talking to you about those two elements, it yeah it. In the way you've spoken about them, you just had the depth and the the, the, the impact the whole experience has. Um, I'd done a, I'd had a conversation with Ban Bantam when she wrote her book Quan on, Quan on and on, you know, on extremists and sort of the sort of cooker types that we see today, and I spoke with her about the the issue of how you engage in self-care if something starts to get starts to get to the point where it rattles you. Um, in writing about what you wrote about, was there any point in time where you had to take a break from writing because it was getting too intense and having a bit of an impact on on your day on your day to day existence? No, I mean, I just occasionally I would just have to pause. You know, like some of the dissection details were um, a bit full on, but 
Yeah. No, nothing, nothing dramatic like that. I mean, I think, you know, I had a couple of weird dreams. I think, uh, uh, you know, when you see the stuff that I saw, like I did go, I went to a surgical workshop where there were um, donors' heads being dissected and studied by ENT trainees. Uh, I also went out to a forensic facility, so saw some body donors in a pretty incredible state in various stages of decay. Um, you know, I think that night I had like, you know, a couple of times I've maybe had weird dreams, but no, it wasn't ever um, super stressful. I mean, the, I did worry more about um, upsetting my dad and his brother. And I also was very sensitive to the fact that family members of, of body donors, you know, might be a bit upset about knowing the details of what happens when you get end up at an, an anatomy school. Uh, so that was more that, you know, I was more stressed about that. And also just trying to write a book during COVID, such a hassle, you know, like you're a writer and you just want to get out and about in the field and <laughs> um, and you just literally can't. So, but no, I mean, overall, it's just been a super interesting experience. I mean, if anything, I feel sorry for maybe some of my friends, they got bored listening to me um, <laughs> rabbit on about, oh my gosh, this, you know, interesting paper that I'd read about you know, the soul in the anatomy lab or, you know, an old doctor told me about taking a brain home. I mean, yeah, so, no, it was it was a, a very positive experience writing the book. Now, um, read, readers will be able to see the end product in the form in which it's been published. And sometimes it's interesting just to sort of reflect on how, the thing comes together. I mean, not all of us write um, at our optimum at the same time of day. We've all got different uh, ways in which we approach the task of writing. Um, what was the bit? How did you go about getting this beast out of the way? And how did you go about writing it? Do you do you have a particular pattern, or is it a case of you know, you at a point in time of the day, you you start to write, and there's like two hours later, three hours later, you're still at it. Yeah, I mean, it's the great question, isn't it? It's the eternal question of like, how do you get the work done? And I suppose, I don't know. I just love writing, and sometimes um, you just get into the flow. I mean, I'm definitely like a morning writer, I'd say. And so I would, I always sort of write in the mornings. I'm really terrible. I write in bed even though I've got like a really amazing desk and I did buy Australia's most expensive office chair as a way to get me out of bed and being professional sitting at a desk, I do spend a lot of time in bed writing. Uh, I think the the headache, you know, like aside from, you know, being being fresh-minded, um, it is really hard sometimes, isn't it, like getting the structure right. Like I think it's the technicalities of writing that are that are so you know, it's like a puzzle and sometimes it's really horrible and, you know, you print out, you know, four chapters and you read them in sequence and you think, no, that sounds shit. And and then you think, <laughs> where am I going to put this bit? You know, like you, you know, I knew I had a particular case to build and there were particular elements that had to go in there. And, but it's like, where do you put them and where do I do this person? And yeah, it's, it's part of the, the terror and the joy really, isn't it? You're oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think structure, and I think that was one of the things, I think I go to an anatomy, I write about an anatomical conference in um, in, in England that I went to, 
And it's interesting, the Anatomical Society of um, England, I know it's the International Federation of Anatomists, they had this old, um, they've got this, this sort of Latin motto, which um, is from structure comes function. Um, what is it? It's like ex conformiatio usus, from structure comes function. And so I really, um, yeah, I started to see that as being a motto for uh, for my writing. Well, interestingly, I mean, I, I when the last book I did um, on on Crown Casino was um, actually written. The first chapter that was written was um, in the middle of the book. And I, I I built it. I built around it, of course. But the first thing that was easy to write was the chapter I'd already written in my head, having read all the having read all of the thing. I mean, if a reader picks up a book and says, "Oh, this is really really great," is it, is it, you wonder whether you wonder whether they understand how we actually put the patchwork quilt together because it can be weird sometimes. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I, I read a quote from uh, someone the other day that just said no book is perfect. And I think that's the the thing for writers is that, you know, you want to write the perfect book and, of course, you're going to make mistakes and it's not going to be, you know, incredible. Like we don't, you know, you and I don't operate in a world where, like, we we live in New York and we've got some personal editor at the publishing house that we've been with for 30 years that's going to really comb through our book you know, and turn it into this extraordinary, you know, master class kind of work. So I think there's a lot of pressure on 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 writers, isn't there? You, you know, you want to write the perfect book. Not only does it have to be beautifully written, you know, you want it to be a page turner, you want it to be factually correct. I mean, it is kind of, you know, it's, it's a pretty excruciating experience at times, isn't it? Because you do want to write something amazing. But the thing I kept reminding myself is that no book is perfect. Well, I mean, it, it yeah. It, not only that, it's written by uh, by human beings, and human beings are fallible. Mm, mm, yeah. I oh, look definitely. Uh, yeah, and I imagine with you, if you're writing about something like Crown, there'd be all sorts of you know pressures around like legal issues or you know trying to find sources. Like, there's you know, it's kind of amazing how many elements and how you know how challenging it is to. To, to get it all together and I think that's what's kind of fascinating is that even though everyone's like into social media these days and they say that people's attention spans are shorter and everyone just wants to watch video like why is it that so many people are still bloody writing books um it, it you and I probably do it for therapy do we don't we yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I mean I can't really yeah I mean I wish I could maybe I should try and my next project will be a movie I don't know, but yeah, like it is. Uh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, but still, I mean, I was in Dimmicks today, and just thousands of books everywhere. It's like, why do yeah, everyone's still doing it, even though book sales aren't like they once were? Well, the other thing that is important to to mention is that yeah, and I've had to do this for other reasons. Um, both for the writing I do, but also for, for, for looking at what I included in the PhD expression of interest. I've actually gone back and look at looked at old stuff 
you know, old stuff written in the 19th century by people like John Stuart Mill. Because I've had to. You know, the, the, the foundations of sort of debate and discourse and free speech and how we mm-hmm. understand what we understand because we no longer talk about that stuff. We don't. We no longer think about how we actually understand what we, or how we actually know what we know, and whether what we know is actually accurate or correct. Mm-hmm. And so we, so I've had to go back. So the the thing being, it'd be interesting to see how much of a percentage of what you saw at Dimmicks is actually stuff that keeps coming back into stock because old things still rate highly. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I definitely with the, you know, the great dead body teachers, I was totally going back, you know, reading old um, books from, you know, the 1500s, uh, tracking down. I mean, the thing that I find super interesting is that, you know, I could, didn't actually have the chance to spend any time in a medical at a university dissecting lab for all sorts of reasons. It's a very closed space. Um, it was during COVID, but also the anatomists are very protective of that that area. Um, you know, so I was going back to I was reading stuff from the 1500s, you know, to to get a sense. So there's some famous um, dissection notes for a, you know a young student saw Andreas Vesalius dissect in the 1500s, and it's an incredible text, you know. Like so, I had to go back in time. And I think that's part of the fun. Like, obviously, you're into research, right? So that's part of the fun of when you're writing. And if you're a history nerd or is finding that great content, and especially by building on it from the past, the, the idea that I like is that, you know, as, you know, my book's kind of obscure and that, but in 50 years' time, in 100 years' time, if it's still on a shelf, if there's still enough lithium and someone can access it online, um, you know, they'll get definitely get a portrait of what was happening with anatomy and medical science and dissection and the world that I've written about, you know, and I love that idea that um, you can, you know, I'm building on, on a, a very big human story. What? Obviously you're, you're touring the book, you're doing everything, uh, you're doing the book, um, bookstores and book launches and, and all the functions that that'll keep you busy for a while. Um, uh, this kind of exercise is very intense and your PhD will be intense as well. Is there a, is there a project that's kicking around in the back of your head at the moment that you want to sort of let loose in the wild at some point? Oh, yeah, I've got heaps of things on the boil. Um, definitely, I mean, I'm never short of ideas. So I, that was was that was what was quite good at working. I worked in radio for a long time. So it's, and journalism is a great way to get rid of ideas. You know, you just write a story and then the idea is gone. But, yeah, no, I've got heaps of um, things that I'm, plans that I want to do. But um, I think I just need to be a bit more practical and earn a proper living. Um, so I might <laughs> have to, you know, get like a sort of, you know, yeah, I have to get a you know part time proper job of sorts, which is probably the the, the angst of most writers, I'd say. But um, yeah, no, I've got heaps of ideas, and I'm well. As if I would tell you, you might steal one. I doubt it, though. I doubt it. I'm not, we're probably clearly operating in different worlds. 
Uh, I've been speaking to Jackie Dent, who's the journalist, author, communications uh, specialist, who's written a wonderful book called The Great Dead Body Teachers. It's out now in Ultimo Press. Jackie, thank you so much for talking to me today. Well, thanks for chatting and and good luck with getting your PhD over the line. Ah, well, fingers crossed if that happens, but good luck with yours and good uh, good luck with the book as you continue to do the rounds. Thank you.